Welcome to the Minimalist Educator Podcast, a podcast about paring down to refocus on the purpose and priorities in our roles with co-hosts and co-authors of the Minimalist Teacher Book, Tammy Musiowski-Borneman and Christine Arnold. In today's episode, Nicole speaks with us about the importance of skill development in the agency, no matter the age of our students and how this can help lighten the load of teachers. Her pare down pointer is about the importance of simplifying and being flexible. Nicole Dissinger is a mentor teacher, professional learning facilitator, and curriculum developer. She has experienced teaching and leading globally for 15 years. Nicole holds a Bachelor of Science in Elementary Education with an emphasis in psychology and a master's degree in early childhood education with an endorsement in bilingual multicultural education. She has experience with a range of curriculum from multi-age state standards and the International Baccalaureate Primary Years Program. Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode. Today we are speaking with the wonderful Nicole Dissinger. How are you today, Nicole? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for joining us today. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your philosophy about education? Yep, so I've been teaching for over 16 years now and I have taught in a variety of different settings from multi-age which is project-based learning and, you know, individualized curriculum to the International Baccalaureate, the primary years program. And, you know, also in public schools where we have state standards and testing that has to happen. Um, I've taught in the States and also overseas in Ukraine and Singapore, both IB schools. And now I'm currently back in the U.S. working as a mentor teacher, doing professional development for schools, um, sharing information at conferences, and also working on curriculum design and development. So my philosophy of teaching is kind of a mixture of all those things. Um, You know, as we grow and evolve with our teaching careers, we kind of learn new philosophies and strategies and ideas and perspectives and so I think overall my my teaching philosophy and beliefs have kind of always been rooted in the same ideas of you know that more student-centered learning and teaching and the teacher doing less of the work and the students doing more of the work Um, and also that you know whole child idea that You know, if they're not happy or healthy or feeling good, it doesn't matter how great of a teacher you are, they're not going to learn if they're not in a state that they can learn. So I've carried that with me through all these years, but, you know, other little things here and there have changed and evolved and yeah. I think um, just thinking about your philosophy matches ours, right? Like we focus on having students as the focus of the classroom and the learning. And then we're kind of more of a facilitator role a lot of the time. And with that, like we've all taught in IB schools, which lends that philosophy of teaching lends itself to that, right? So when you're teaching in a place that matches your philosophy, it feels fairly easy because that's just what's at the forefront of everybody's mind. Can you talk about kind of that skill focus when teachers have the opportunity to really focus on 
teaching students particular skills, but not, um, and the, the, the content isn't always the focus because that feels different. Yeah, no, that's a good um, question. But I think also kind of touching on what you said before of like getting the opportunity to work in schools that already support this or provide this type of opportunity. I think that's something that I've really focused on from the beginning. You know, my very first teaching job was at a small public charter that taught multi-age specifically. So like I've always sought out schools or teaching philosophies that match mine and have been lucky enough that I've gotten jobs at schools and haven't had to just work at any school that would take me in a sense. So I think that's also something, it's a scary thing to do because you could potentially not get that job. But I also have found that that's been something that's really important to me because I want to work at a school that supports my vision as well as it's being applied to all of the students at that school. But yeah, so focusing on skills is a big thing that a lot of those schools I've worked at do. And especially in the International Baccalaureate, you know, that's a key part of their framework is the ATLs or approaches to learning. So essentially across the board, rather than focusing on specific curriculum or content, you know, how does that fit into these bigger overarching skills that we want students to walk away with, you know, being able to learn it, practice it in a safe environment. So, you know, they can learn how to self-manage without, you know, risk of, you know, horrible (laughs) feelings or things like that. You know, they're able to fail in a really safe way that teaches them, oh, okay, that didn't work. So this is what I could do next, or this is how I could change it. So I think them having that opportunity and then being able to then take those skills they've learned, whether it's big or small, you know, because a four-year-old's interpretation of self-manage it versus a 15-year-old's is different, but that's okay because it's a skill that they will learn and continue to develop as they grow older. But then taking that and transferring that into their own life, whether that be playing on the playground or cleaning up at the end of the day or even something they do at home. And I find that's something that many parents find the most interesting or shocking in a sense. Not that like they can read to them at home. Like they're like, oh, yeah, great. Okay, good. You learn this at school. But oh, my student comes home and they know how to organize their materials now. Like, yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so helpful. <laughs> Transferable skills. And again, you know, it's a it's different. And also each kid is different. You know, you might be teaching how to organize your materials in first grade, and some kids really understand it and they're able to organize in a really clean, simple way. And then other kids, they're just not ready for it yet. And that's okay because they're developing other skills. And that's what's really nice about that focus is it is that whole child and what are they getting out of those opportunities and again it's that's something I put in when I'm writing reports is yeah there's goals to work towards but what can they actually do right it doesn't serve anyone any good to talk about all the things they can't do because they're just not there yet so let's talk about what they can do and then how we're going to keep building on that to get them to the next step. Yeah, I like that idea of um, 
you know, it's not just the content, not just knowledge that we want for the kids, but also what kind of a person we want them to be. Um, and and having, you know, self-management skills and the research skills and the thinking skills um, and putting that emphasis there. Why do you think that's so important for, for kids as they're growing up? Why is that such an important thing for them to have? Why can't it just be, let's fill them with all the knowledge that we possibly can? Why do they need these other skills? Yeah, that's a great question because that's what many of our education systems are built on, right? Is just content and great. You were able to learn it and regurgitate it. Great. Let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> but what do you do with that information? Right? There's so many things I learned in elementary school. I have no clue what I learned or when I learned it or how I learned it. But Isn't I that do funny? know that. Right. Exactly. So, but I do know that now. You know, I understand how to communicate with people in various different settings because I've learned that. I know how to research and I know different ways to research. I can go to the library. I can go on my computer. I can talk to someone and interview them. Like those are the types of skills that we're wanting our kids to know because those are actual life skills. Those are things that are going to transfer anywhere really the curriculum is irrelevant but if you know how to research you can research any topic whether it's science related social studies history geography you know any of those things so those skills are what form people to be functioning humans in our society <laughs> and you and I do sessions on student agency and Christine and I have written a few years ago we wrote a piece on um, student agency and like thinking about how those skills are setting students up for success, whether they can master them when we teach them or not, you know, it's building blocks. How does that help then a teacher in their just every day kind of setting this the stage for the skill development? Because, you know, we have a lot to do. And so if we can remove some things from our plate, <laughs> how does this help? Yeah, no, and that's a great point. You know, we talk about agency a lot and developing these skills in your students is what allows them to then be able to execute or practice having agency because they're not just sitting there waiting for you to tell them what to do or how to do it or at what time to do it even. I mean, you could have it so open that they have lots of choices in a given situation. You know, even down to having a student help develop the classroom agreements, that's giving them agency, that's lessening the task for you, because you're not having to generate all the ideas or create all of this content for them. They're able to add to it. They know what's happening. They know what to do. They know what should be going on in a classroom. You know, they know what it should look like, sound like, and feel like. It's us then helping them okay, how do we phrase this or collate it all or organize it? And then that's us modeling that skill to them, which they can then take on and apply in another setting. So I think teaching our students these skills is going to make our life as teachers so much easier because that's just one less thing that we have to then manage or do or think about because they're able to do so many things. And, you know, kids are brilliant. Yes, they don't necessarily know all the content that we have to teach them that year, 
but they know a lot of things. They know they're, you know, they're still figuring out their world, but they understand how they can create a project, you know, with a few guidelines, or they know how they could create a game. They're much more creative than us half the time. So (laughs) I think we should give them a lot more credit and a lot more opportunity to show that. So I know that kids of all ages are capable of, of, you know, having some agency and some voice and, and do good things with that. But I have heard people argue, you know, my students are too little to be making choices and to make decisions. And I've also heard the other way around, like, no, we're older now, we have content we need to get through, we have this project we need to do, we've got exams coming up, we can't have choice here. We can't have any of that. So what would you say to, to those people who argue in that way? Yeah, it's that's a pretty, that's one of those perceived uh, <laughs> problems that we we think it's actually a problem or something that can't happen, but it's not true. It's not an either or. It, it can be both and it is both. So I think them being too little, that's not, also, that's not a reason because think about if you have a kid at home and they have a room full of toys, they get agency to go choose whatever they want to play with, right? That's a great connection. Yeah. But it doesn't matter if you're one, two, three, or 12. That's agency in that situation. And think about as adults, we basically have all the agency by the time we are adults we there's no one telling us what to do except work you know normal societal things but we have to decide how our day looks every day we have to create a schedule for ourselves we have to manage our time we have to do all these things and how do we do that it's not just magic it doesn't just happen overnight like we have been taught over the years of our entire life all these little tiny skills and all these little different opportunities that lead up to us as functioning adults most of the time. But <laughs> so, so most of the time. Right. So I think about with little kids, it's just then what is your actual expectation? Like what are they actually capable of? If it's even if it's a choice between two things, that's giving them agency. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be this big grand thing. It can just be you can choose between markers or crayons. That's giving st- students agency. It doesn't have to be this big elaborate, you know, situation. And I think with older kids, that's the best time to give agency because you're they're about to embark on like actual adult world. They're getting really close. So giving them those opportunities to practice self-management or practice research skills or, you know, practice communication skills in a way that even if they fail, it's okay, because that's going to be a teaching moment in itself. And it's not going to be a life or death situation, because it's just school. So giving them the opportunity, and it's not to say that they shouldn't cover all of the content. Absolutely. That's great. That's what we that's what we do. That's how we anchor everything in our classrooms, right, is those standards, those objectives but use um, a different strategy rather than you being the person that's talking at them for 45 minutes every three, you know, three days a week, give them a menu, a choice menu, and they can choose between they have to over the course of the week, they have to complete three activities. And then the following week, they'll complete the other three. So they're still doing all of the ones that you're required for them to do. 
but they get the choice of when they do it or with who they do it or how they do it. So I think it's, it is a lot simpler than we make it out to be, but it is scary. Like you do have to really trust yourself and trust your students to know that, you know, they can do it and you can do it. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes it's a bit of a mindset shift for, for us to to let go of that control and and see what can happen. Yeah. And that's hard because, you know, I like controlling things. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, like, I like things a certain way. I like to organize things a certain way. I, you know, I get a picture in my mind. Oh, this is going to be great when it goes like this. But then you get in that classroom and you realize, oh, yeah, no, that doesn't work because these are children and we have to just see what happens. And that's the beauty of teaching, right? When you can feel comfortable enough to be able to do that, which it is, it's hard because, you know, you don't know how it's going to go and you do have to build the skills and the trust with your students. Um, We could talk about this forever, obviously. Um, (laughs) At the, um, we're going to wrap up our episode and at the episode, end of each episode, we ask our guests for a pair down pointer. And so we wanted to know what you would want to share with our listeners today. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, Tammy knows because she's been in my classroom numerous times. And I like very little things and very little distraction on the wall. And if I could have even less, I would. But, you know, sometimes school says you have to have certain things. <laughs> so I definitely appreciate uh, the minimalist uh, approach here. So I think my maybe tip or pointer is just to simplify and also to remember like flexibility. So I always think about simplifying like what materials do you actually have in your classroom and what do you actually need? You know, there's lots of things that can be used in various capacities. So rather than having 14 different types of counters, you just have one. And you use that for various different settings. You know, I use Unifix cubes in my classroom a lot. And I use that for math. I use it for building blocks because kids love building. It doesn't matter what you give them. Um, You can also use that for game pieces. So there's all sorts of things that that can be used for. And then you don't have to have so many different containers or tubs of all these different types of counters. And I think also spaces. So creating your classroom space so that it can be used for anything. You know, I remember I had a professor one time that said, oh, this is the writing area and this is the math area and this is the reading area. And I was like, no, I want my whole classroom to be available for writing. I want my whole classroom to be available for science or my whole classroom for drama or whatever it is you're doing so that you can move tables, chairs, desks, move things out of the way, create new spaces so that at any given point, doesn't matter what you're doing, that space can be used for anything. Awesome. That's that's a great tip. Um, thinking really purposefully and intentionally about what you have in your room. I think that's a great one. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Nicole. We, as Tammy said, we could keep talking forever, but uh, we will let you go. So thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Today's episode was brought to you by Plan Z Professional Learning Services, forward-thinking educator support. Find out more at planzplservices.com. Be sure to join Tammy and Christine and guests for more episodes of the Minimalist Educator Podcast. They would love to hear about your journey with minimalism. 
Connect with them at PlanZPLS on Twitter or Instagram. The music for the podcast has been written and performed by Gaia Moretti.